You are listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Michael Sticka. This podcast is supported by the Yan Molshaski Foundation. It's actually right in our mission statement that we celebrate the music of yesterday and today to inspire the music of tomorrow. And we do it through our exhibits. We have 35,000 square feet of galleries. We travel exhibits really all over the world over the past 15 years. And through our education programs, we really focus on the next generation of music's creators and leaders. So we really cover, I think, the gamut of the industry and making sure that we're preparing young people to enter the industry and be successful. Songwriters understand that that's their song and you know they own that song unless they sell that song and, and what that means. So many songs can be autobiographical. So often that when someone sits down to pen a song, it's really coming from their own experience and, and their own background or what they're going through right now. And I think the beauty of that is that it can resonate with so many others who have had a similar experience or who are going through that experience. We have our signature school programming, which provides needed grants to public schools for music education, particularly purchasing instruments or anything else they may need for the learning experience. We have our summer session, which we just actually did in New York for the first time a couple of weeks ago. That's our songwriting camp that I alluded to earlier. We have career day. Maybe I'll give you a little teaser here. We have our Grammy the Schools Knowledge Bank, which is taught by many of our music professionals that we work with. I think this year we had more than a thousand nominations. People submitted their music teachers or their colleagues to be recognized as a music educator award winner. It's, I think, an incredibly impactful program, not just because the educator receives an honorarium and so does the school and so do the semifinalists, but I think it uses one of the biggest platforms out there and the telecast, the Grammy Awards telecast, to highlight the importance of music education. And we do that in the way that we're very good at, and that's recognizing excellence. But we've also launched our public programs, which are our popular artist programs, where we have 45-minute interviews and typically a performance immediately following the interview. And they're in-depth interviews really about the artist's creative process, either about a new album or about just their creative process in general or, or whatever it is they might be working on. It's interesting, the Recording Academy was kind of just an idea for a while. It wasn't televised. It really wasn't until Pierre Cossette, who is actually a Broadway producer, approached the Academy and CBS about the idea that this really could be a major telecast. So since then, it's been one of the most watched programs every year on television. So the Academy really was started, obviously, to recognize music. And as it grew and understood that music just isn't here in Los Angeles, it's not just in New York, it's not just Nashville, it's in Atlanta, it's in Philadelphia, it's in Seattle, it's all over. So the Academy started growing and now it's 12 chapters across the country that work very hard day in and day out to represent music and music creators in their local communities and really bring out the excellence of music. We're a small museum, so the ability to, at any given time, showcase all that music has to offer and the diversity of the genres and the artists, frankly, it's impossible because we just don't have the space to do it. So we're very intentional about, but in terms of the conversations with the curators, sometimes we seek out the subject matter, either if it's a genre or an artist or a moment in history, whatever the case may be, 
Sometimes it comes to us. Sometimes we're small staff, so we don't know everything. We don't have all the resources. And sometimes an artist or a label or an estate, you name it, will approach us and say, hey, have you ever considered this? And through those organic collaborations, of which there are many, honestly come some of our best, our best content, some of our best exhibits. We have to really think about the broader community and the broader music industry and how we become as representative as possible, given the limited footprint we have. One way we do that is through interactives, because with an interactive, you don't need all this gallery space. You need a wall or you need a table or you need some kind of setup where a visitor can learn about different genres and how one genre influenced another genre. You can kind of trace gospel music to blues music and to R&B music. And then you can really see with both visual and auditory examples, how that music is connected. So that's one way we, we kind of look to make sure we're being as representative and as inclusive and comprehensive across music as possible. We have something called Mono to Immersive, which actually takes a Bruno Mars and Cardi B performance at the Grammy Awards. And we put guests, listeners into a room and they watched this performance and we had Grammy winning these performances, what would that performance, what would Bruno Mars and Cardi B sound like if it were mono sound, so records, wax cylinder, think about that. And then what about on cassette? And then what about on MP3? And then now on streaming and then what we call immersive, which is surround sound. So we really try to walk visitors through the history of recorded sound and how much technology has changed, not just the recording process, but the listening experience as well. I honestly, there's so much, there's so much I've learned in terms of, if you focus on music, one thing is it's really broadened my horizons in terms of music. And I've moved beyond just listening to Dolly Parton and really understanding hip hop and understanding Latin music and the many genres within Latin music. But I've also learned how to tell a story, I think. And that's what I learned from the curatorial department in terms of how do we really educate people in a compelling way? I think if you look at most social movements that have challenged the status quo and challenged even just the establishment at the time, there's been a soundtrack to those movements. And I think that is what maintains and fosters the movement and fosters the people to get behind it. So there's no question that music can change the world. It already has. You know, I'm not a musician. I like to call myself a nonprofit administrator. I love nonprofits. I love the arts. I actually got my start producing theater. And when I joined the Recording Academy, that's when I really started to have a much deeper appreciation for music beyond just listening to it in my car or the few times a year I make it to the gym type of thing. So, you know, the reason I say it found me is because when I took over the museum at the time, museum actually needed my skill set. But I will say this, it's an incredible experience to run a museum and to have a team like I do that isn't a traditional art museum, because I feel like we get to stand out. We get to be different. We get to push the boundaries a little bit more. We get to talk about different subjects in a way that I think it would be maybe challenging for an art museum to do so. It's true. I had mentioned I got my start in theater. Theater always had that visual component, that visceral experience, the set, the costumes, the lighting, the sound. Music didn't always have that. Right? You, had, you had your philharmonics and you go see a music at a club or, you know, folk music where it's not as this visceral experience. It's all great. And I love all of that. But now I think what we're seeing is musicians and artists are actually taking a page from 
the the Broadway or the theater playbook where they're creating this environment, sets, lighting, you name it, to really try to cover all the senses. I think that's exciting. I think it's really cool because it to me it's it's the entire experience and the music now brings that to people. I think the arts are critically important. They help us understand how to be more inclusive. They help us understand how to interpret in a different way. And I think those two characteristics, understandings, are critically important for everything else, for all the other STEM-related subjects, because it's not just about entertainment. It's really about, I think, the human condition. And I think arts are what provide for that. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.